This is Hockey Central 960 with Haley Salvian on your official home of the Flames, Sportsnet 960, The Fan. Welcome into the program. It's Hockey Central on Sports at 960. The fan Haley Salvian here with you for the next hour, and we're going to kick off the show with a little chat. Friend of the show, producer of the show, Jack of All Trades, Logan Gordon. You just heard him live if you're listening live on Sportsnet today. Seems like a big CFL heavy day. Goodbye to Bo Levi Mitchell. But we don't need to talk about that, Logan. We can talk about the Flames. You don't want to talk about football anymore, do you? No, I'm good. I've had my uh, my football fix. We can talk about uh, anything you'd like, Haley. <laughs> yeah, that's right. It's my show. It's true. Yeah. Wherever you want to go, we're going to go. <laughs> yeah. No. It was a... Uh... I swear that was a joke, everybody listening on the radio or on demand. Uh, But I did want to get into a bit of the Flames with you, Logo. Not a Flames game day today. We've got to wait until tomorrow, Thursday, uh, for the Flames to play against the Chicago Blackhawks. Um, But a couple news and notes from the Dome at practice today. What can you tell us, Logo? Yeah, the biggest thing was uh, that Chris Tanev wasn't out there for practice. He left that game against Columbus on Monday after just two and a half minutes of ice time. Uh, He was favoring his shoulder after uh, a hit from Eric Robinson along the boards. Uh, Obviously didn't come back to that one, and head coach Daryl Sutter spoke to the media afterwards saying he's going to miss the next two games, but they're hopeful he might be back out there following the All-Star break. So hopefully it's not too long-term for the Calgary Flames. And uh, in place of that, we've seen Mackenzie Wieger move up uh, to his uh, natural side on the right. Uh, he's with Nikita Zadorov now. Connor Mackey and Michael Stone make up the third pairing. So the D changes uh, pretty dramatically now with Tanev on the shelf for a couple of games. And other than that, the forward lines stay the same, which will make a lot of Flames fans happy because that means Jacob Pelche is set for uh, his third NHL game tomorrow against Chicago. Do you think the question mark, and I don't want to call him a question mark because we know what Chris Tanev can do when he's healthy, but obviously the fact that there have been some injuries popping up this year, and obviously we saw what this team looked like in the postseason without Chris Tanev on the team. Of course, this year is a bit different because you've got Mackenzie Wieger in there, but there's you know no Erica Branson, no Oliver Shillington right now. Do you think that kind of question mark in the way that the D core looks without Tanev this year makes trying to find a depth defender, you know, a little bit more important at the deadline. I feel like we talk so much about the need for, you know, a top six speedy scoring winger, which is important. I'm not saying that it is not, but I do wonder if we see the Flames try to shore up some depth here on the blue line. Yeah, 100% it does because uh, that conversation around the Flames needing to add somebody has been there you know, even while Chris has been healthy, I think that's a, a very fair conversation to have. And it's only amplified when the coach uses words like he did today as, you know, it's a dramatic change to our defense when Chris isn't out there. And I think a lot of the depth that we thought this team had heading into the the regular season and the preseason um, has been tested at different times here because of, of different circumstances. And I'm, I'm obviously not blaming Oliver Shillington for any of this, but you add in that Yusuf Alamaki gets claimed and all of a sudden Chris Tanev is dealing with, you know, some pretty inconsistent playing time because of injuries this year. And all of a sudden 
you know, we're talking eight or nine dip, uh, eight or nine D deep for the Calgary Flames. Well, that's that's being tested and actually being brought out to the forefront, and that does make things trickier because instead of maybe needing just a guy that you would come in and play on occasion, you're kind of maybe asking for a guy that might be able to come in and actually take over that spot from Michael Stone to be the number six defenseman for this team and kind of give them that structure that they've needed all season long. And that's, you know, you know, and just to add to that, it's been, you know, that's been something that we, we've talked about because we, we've had the, the different auditions this year, whether it was Dennis Gilbert that came up for a little while, um, Nick Simone spent some time on this blue line. And look, the, the question around Oliver Shillington when he comes back, that gets brought up every now and then. But really, I, I think when we're talking about February at the earliest, if a guy is coming back, I mean, that's that's tough, Haley. That's, you know, uh, the, the depth of this team got tested in ways that I don't even think Brad Living in his worst nightmares expected this year. So, yeah, I think it's fair to sit here and say that this team could use another defenseman for sure. Absolutely. And sorry, I think my, my mic dropped out, but I think you got me now. Thanks yes. for, for doing that logo. I, you know, I think the only other thing to get into a little bit, which you already mentioned in terms of the forward lines, looking like they're staying the same before, by the way, we get to the guests of today's show. We're going to have Julie Stewart Banks coming on shortly. She's a Canadian living in New York City, covering soccer and hockey. And then Mike Russo, a national writer who covers the Minnesota Wild at the athletic is going to come on later in the show. But the last one for you logo again, before we go to Julie is Jacob Peltier. Uh, yes. It looks like the forward lines are going to stay the same, which I'm sure fans are going to really appreciate. We had uh, Steinberg on yesterday. He's really liked what he's seen from Peltier. I know he hasn't had a ton of minutes, but have you liked what you've seen from him so far? Yeah, I thought he's been just fine. And to me, that's all it's needed to be for Jacob is, you know, I said this a couple of days ago when we were talking about his first game. I don't always ask these guys to come in on night one and be star number one and play 20 minutes. I just want to see for a guy like like Jacob, is the moment too big for you? Did you look out of place at any time? And I really haven't seen any of that from Jacob. He hasn't, hasn't had a massive offensive positive impact for this team, but I think as an individual, he's had a couple of moments you can see the speed, you can see the tenacity in his game, and maybe more importantly than that, Haley, I think he's, you know, fitting on his line very well. I think what him, Trevor Lewis, and Walker Dewar are doing as a fourth line for the team has been good, and that's almost to me as important as the individual level is what you guys can bring as a trio, and what are you guys going to provide as the fourth line? It can be tricky. Jacob plays a little bit of special teams on the second power play. Trevor plays special teams on the penalty kill. They're not going to have nights where they're really at 15 minutes a night, given how much special teams we see in the NHL. But when they are out there, yeah, I've been very happy with what I've seen from them. Yeah, me too. I like that line. I really like Walker Dewar. I think he fits the mold of what Daryl Sutter is looking for in players on the fourth line. But I also like Jacob Peltier in that position. I think he's somebody who could easily track like an Andrew Mangiapane type you know, progression in the NHL, starting on the fourth line and being a guy who can scale the lineup, move up and down, play wherever you want. He's a guy that when, if you tell him what you want from him, he's going to do it. And being on the top line and scoring or being on the fourth line and doing that role doesn't really make a whole lot of difference for someone like Jacob Peltier. So I'm glad it's been a good start. Good stuff, Logan. 
you already had lots of radio. Go take a nap. Go home. <laughs> Bye, Hales. Do whatever you do. You're the best. <laughs> See you, you later. All right. Always love having Logan on the show. I know he has a sports net today. Busy guy, uh, but always nice to chat flames with him, especially on a day where there's a little bit going on, but not a lot in terms of just a practice day with a couple news and notes. So thanks to Logan. Now we're going to go to the Atlas Pizza guest hotline. So we have Julie Stewart-Banks waiting for us. She's a TV host. You can catch her on Fubo, NBC, SNY, many places. I feel like you can get Julie wherever wherever you want. So now you can get her here on Sports at 960. Julie, <laughs> thanks for joining the show. How are you? Hey, it is, uh, it's great to be on. Thanks for having me. And it's funny when you're just introducing me and I saw the tweet that said, you know, all the places I work, it's like I, uh, what was that? I'm like the Pete DeBoer of um, broadcasting where it's like I've like literally worked everywhere or work everywhere, I guess. Um, just a, a lot of different uh, letters on the back of my name. So, yeah, in New York City, for those listening, big fan of everyone in Calgary, Alberta, and was just there this summer. So I just texted a bunch of my friends, Ooh. let them know what was going on. That was going to be a big deal on your show today. So, um, yeah, happy to be here. <laughs> Oh, I'm so jealous. Like, obviously, I've, you know, lived in Calgary, but I feel like being able to just go out there on a vacation and just spend some time in Banff and travel around. Calgary is just the best. I think it's like an underrated Canadian city to go hang out in. It is. It, it, it's, it is a lot of fun. And go, going to Banff, like, I, I don't suggest driving, like, two days after a wedding there. Um, you know, you still got, like, the shapes after a good wedding, but... It was great this summer. <laughs> or on a holiday weekend. Yeah, holiday weekend, definitely. Yeah. That was a really bad um, planning on my part. My boyfriend's American. He'd never been. And he was like, why would you ever plan to come this weekend? But, but yeah. it was beautiful. You know, you don't get that in, uh, in New York City. So we had a great time. Amazing. Well, I know you're in New York City and, and you have a segment on SNY called Around the Rinks with Banks where you chat about the New York team. So we're going to do a little bit of that here on hockey central today um get into a little bit of the devils rangers and you know the islanders to a lesser extent um but i want to start with the new jersey devils with you julie because they have an ot win last night against vegas it was really fun game dougie hamilton gets the game winner jack hughes takes the hit to make the play i think the question right now at this point in the season is like are you a believer in the New Jersey Devils, whether it was what you saw last night, what you've seen to this point in the year, like, is this team legit or are you still kind of not sold yet? I think 100% I am legit believer in this team right now. And that is because at the beginning of the second half of this season, I was on SNY and it was when they beat the Rangers. It was kind of like one of those games where it was like, well, they played kind of playoff style hockey where it was tight checking. It wasn't sort of the fast um, speed skill type game that they're used to. And they were able to beat the Rangers in that style. And I said, you know, if they can play like this going forward, then they can be a playoff contender type of team. But the fact is they haven't played meaningful hockey in the second half of the season in years. Like, I mean, it's been so long since they've been, really a dangerous team down the stretch. So the fact that since really that moment, they won, what, eight out of their last 10, they just continue to be able to find ways to win. Um, you know, they're winning in overtime. They're winning in ways where their stars, as you mentioned, Jack Hughes making the play, 
to be able to get Dougie Hamilton the puck, to be able to score. Like, just uh, there's there's a lot of depth. And if their goaltender um, can sort of keep that up, I mean, he's done really well as well, like having eight straight wins, I believe, like his career best so far. If he can keep that up down the stretch, that's what I'm, I'm curious about and to see kind of what pieces they might add. It, but right now, like, it's so crazy when you look at the standings in the Metropolitan and they are tied for first with the Hurricanes. And it's kind of like, oh, gosh, wow. Well, well right. when did that happen? You know, they, they have continued going on. And, and I think it's there's a great vibe around them, too, because they've kind of been this team in the tri-state area that's been, you know, this is a big Rangers town. There's Then there's been the Islanders that have been relevant in the last couple of years, but like not really the devils are kind of like the, the forgotten stepchild in a way where now they're like, Hey, give us attention. Like we deserve it. And everyone's like, yay. Whenever I tweet about the devils, it's like, there's so many devils fans out there. So kudos to you guys, you know, keep it up and you'll keep getting the love. They've rebounded pretty nicely from that slow, that kind of speed bump that they hit. A couple of weeks ago, mm-hmm. I mean, you mentioned that they're eight one and one in their last ten. So I know everyone kind of the, the non-believers were looking at and saying, like, "See, I told you they weren't real," and they've, you know, <laughs> rebounded quite nicely in their last ten games. But I wanted to get into Jack Hughes with you a little bit too. I mean, he became the first Devils player in franchise history to reach thirty goals and thirty assists through the first forty-seven games of a season. Uh, what has impressed you the most about Jack Hughes this year? I think, like, when, first of all, when you look at 30 goals, 30 assists, like, that's insane. I mean, this guy's got 60 points on the year so far, and he's not, doesn't look like he's going to slow down anytime soon. But the fact that he just does so much more than being this highly skilled, uh, you know, playmaker, it's what he does for his team, teammates. And, and what we did see, like, the example, again, is just the Dougie Hamilton move last night in overtime. But he is a guy that is, uh, he, he's someone you can rely on to make the plays and to be a goal scorer and to to be able you know to drive the play and to rely on. But also he's going to make those moves to make other people look better, to make his teammates shine. He doesn't seem like the type of guy that needs the spotlight. He's shown he doesn't need the spotlight, and I think it's like when you do have those well-rounded players that also have such great vision and ability to see the puck, see the play, see where all their teammates are and sort of decide on what they're going to do for the betterment of the team, not necessarily for themselves. It is, it, it just, it goes so much further than just, just a goal, just a point here and there. It's like the whole team is better. So I think that just like his all, he is extremely well-rounded and it, it's great to see him doing really well right now. So I think it, there was a lot of pressure on him when he got to the team and seeing him thrive and seeing, of course, uh, you know, Nico Heeshear and Jesper Bratt and, you know, he mentioned Dougie Hamilton as well. And a lot of these different guys going down the line, they've done so well too. So they do have, they do have strength in scoring. And so that, that doesn't hurt, but I think he's just a really well-rounded playmaker. He's probably a good example for people to pump the brakes on calling a teenager a bust when their first year in the NHL isn't going yes. particularly well, yes. right? Because now he's top 10 in goals and points in the league, and he looks like a legitimate superstar. I think people, uh, yeah, yeah <laughs> maybe, don't judge it. Like... maybe don't judge them right away like that. I don't know. I know, yeah. right? It's like, oh, well, he's a bust. Like, that didn't really work out. It's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I mean, uh, so much of this is projections and then seeing how guys develop and, 
uh, the pieces around them, as we mentioned, but just it does take time to kind of reach that potential too. And, and uh, it is really good to see them doing well. I mean, there's nothing but good things to say about that organization. They're always just so nice to me. And even seeing, I'm going to shout out a little Canadian here to Damon Severson, who had the overtime winner against, I want to say it was New York. He had it. I covered him. Well, he's from Melville, Saskatchewan. Um, that's, okay. There's my, I'm getting my Canadian out there. And, there you go. uh, you know, he, he's not like a huge goal scorer for the team, but then seeing guys like that do well is 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 great to see because they, they don't have kind of like the ego of the big city in a way. So I, I like that sort of humble vibe about them. Yeah, he's having a great season. Lots of guys on the blue line in New Jersey have looked really great. I think at one point in the year when you looked at the best expected goals rates or, you know, having the – the best XG rate. Most of them were New Jersey Devils defenders because they just spend so much time right. in the offensive zone. They just, there's a lot of talent in that team. I guess moving on to the New York Rangers with Julie, we almost had a goalie goal the other night with Igor Shesterkin. Oh, I'm very gosh. upset that it didn't actually happen, oh. but it looked great. Could have been awesome. But other than that, does it seem like he's getting back up to the level that we saw from him last season after maybe a, a shaky start in relation to the standard that he set for himself? Yeah, well, first of all, that moment when Igor almost scored was just like, it's like we almost witnessed like an, another moon landing in a way. It's just like something you don't see ever at all. Yeah. And it was Whoa, just, what is this? <laughs> I also don't know where I came up with that. That analogy came out of quite literally nowhere in my mind, but it was just so wonderful. You could tell he's been practicing it too. Like just the way the, the, the gusto he had on his shot. It was, it was incredible. It was just inches short, um, inches wide, excuse me. But I'd say, okay. So with Igor, like he was so superhuman in the playoffs last year. I mean, we saw him at, a whole different level and the team was different around him. Let's like not forget that with cop Petrano and um, uh, Mott. And so now you wonder like, were the struggles kind of a chicken or the egg thing, right? Like were the struggles him earlier in the season or the team were a little bit of both, a little bit of column A, a little bit of column B and then being able to kind of like figure out how to bounce back from games. I think he is starting to look more like the guy that we saw a lot down the stretch. I don't know if he'll ever get back to that superhuman level that we saw in the playoffs last year, but that doesn't mean he isn't still, you know, arguably the best goaltender, one of the best goaltenders in the league, and that he's he that he would be someone you would want regardless of the day to be in net for you. And I think like with him, even just the other night against the Panthers, like they were outshot uh thirty-five to twenty-six. They still won six two. And Gerard Gallant was, you know, not very happy afterwards with the team, even though they won six two, but it's like he did a lot in making sure that the Panthers weren't able to go up even more because he stopped so many more um, shots. And so I think that like whenever you see him, there was a great moment when they faced Detroit not too long ago when um, he was like one-on-one with Thomas Tatar and I forget when it was. I, I love I love going on a radio station and then just being like, wait, what was this that time? Well, he, <laughs> he has that he has sort of like that, that confidence and like that, you know, chip on his shoulder kind of edge of just like, if you are going to come up to me and try to score on me right now, like don't, don't even think about it. Like I'm going to make mince meat out of whatever shot you try to put on me. 
And that's also right. like a huge thing, I think, against the Leafs tonight in tonight's game. Like I know that they speaking with some of the people around the team, like Igor is definitely um taking out rental space in their heads, like for sure, because of we watched the game when they were at Madison Square Garden in December, and he did very well there. The Leafs had some incredible shifts, though. Like, oh, my gosh. I still remember. Oh, my gosh. These are some of the best. It felt like a lion ripping apart like a gazelle, like, in the wild. I'm like, oh, my gosh. They're going to score on this. They're not even on the power play. But Igor was able to, you know, make some huge saves, and as well, the Leafs weren't able to hit an open net. But uh, I digress, and I think that uh, – I think that – Yes, Igor is the more that they, you know, get playing time together, figuring out their lines, like Gallant has been shuffling the lines like no other. And and I think that's also to figuring out who's going to be here for the long haul. You know, that will fortify his confidence too down the stretch. Absolutely. He's 11, four and three since December 1st with a 923 save percentage. Like he's maybe not going to get to that playoff mark. But he is still, you know, pretty lights out right now. And and the New York Rangers and the Leafs are playing tonight in Toronto. You're in New York City now, but you're from Toronto. Seems like maybe the perfect game for you. Maybe, you know, a stressful game, but but a pretty good one to be split on in the household. Yes, this is great. Uh, My boyfriend's a massive Rangers fan. I have a a Henrik Lundqvist practice stick that's like behind me on my my TV setup that I got him for his birthday. A pretty good birthday present. And yeah, um, that's great. And also, yeah, also the Leafs. Like we both come from such different background of of growing up in these cities, and he's experienced the Stanley Cup win when he was younger. I, of course, have never experienced that because no, I am not that old. And so it's, it's, but we both have like our own pros and cons with these teams. And I think like, as you get, you know, as the industry has changed, you know, in a sense, like if I was with the Rangers every single day, or if I was with a certain team, when I covered the Anaheim Ducks, like I did not want the Leafs to beat the Ducks because then that meant that our plane ride home would suck or everything sucked. Like when you're with a team, like, I, I don't care if you're playing my childhood team, it's the Stanley Cup game seven, like, well, maybe that might be different. I never know what that would feel like. But you just want your team to win, and there's and there's difference there. But when you're a little bit removed from it, you can have some fun sometimes with you know having some uh, side bets or anything like that or, or whatnot. And these are two teams that are both trying to go for it this year, right? Like they're both. I mean, the least more so than the Rangers, I would say. But the Rangers got closer last year, so they're both, and they're both still trying to figure out like what pieces go where they're both looking to make the move likely at the deadline, maybe one team more than the other. So we like to go watch it at the Canuck, which is a Canadian bar in New York city. Shout out. They are amazing. It's like walking into Canada in New York, which is really nice. It's really nice. little safe haven for us here. So we can, it's like, you can watch hockey. There's most bars in New York always have hockey on. It's like, it's wild sometimes. So Will right. be a great I, one, I think. I think I've read a bunch of stories about this bar of just hockey writers who moved to New York and they're like, I need to find somewhere where I can, you know, consistently yeah, be able to watch Kevin a hockey Curry game. did an article on yeah. it. He blew up our spot and we were like, no, because now it's like, it's like a, it, people are there. Like I got to text, I got to go, you know, make a reservation online to get into this bar. No, it's, it's great. It has all uh, like Canadian paraphernalia on the walls. 
Like you've got the tragically hip, like stuff everywhere. You've just got like, if you're Canadian and you come to New York, like, yeah, if you if you come to New York, you're Canadian. You probably want to do something New York related, not just like go to a Canadian bar. <laughs> but watch a hockey if you're game. Looking for a, yeah, if you're looking for a hockey game, they have they'll they'll turn off an NFL playoff game, like literally happened last weekend. Switch it to a hockey game, like because that's wow. what it is. I love it. Looks like Kerr should have, you know, we wanted to, you wanted to gatekeep that a little bit longer, but not anymore. Yeah. That's all right. Yeah, no, no. <laughs> it's good, good. You know, welcome everyone in. <laughs> so uh, moving on to the New York Islanders, I mean, their offense just continues to be a concern. They are one, six and three in their last 10. So, you know, one win in their last 10 games, they, they continue to search for answers. Lou Lamorello, the, you know, GM spoke today ahead of their game against Ottawa and kind of accepted responsibility for the team's struggles lately, said, I'm going to try to improve the team ahead of the deadline. Because I don't know if there is a solution for their scoring problems. That is something that's like an internal flip to switch. It almost seems, you know, I'm sure you can try to get some of the guys, your goal scorers to finish more often, but it really does seem like the answer for the Islanders is something external via the trade deadline. Yeah, 100%. I mean, at this point right now, it's uh, you got to feel super bad for Islanders fans, the Islanders themselves. Like, they just actually, at that point when I was talking about the Rangers and they'd had, like, their incredible last-second win or the Keandre Miller shot that tied things up to send it to overtime against uh, Dallas. It was, like, also such a bad loss for the Islanders. And that night and it was against the wild and I remember being on TV being like this team is old and slow and built for four years ago and they don't have the pieces like they don't you hear it everywhere like Elliot Friedman said on 32 thoughts like they don't have a goal score like a playmaking goal score and so you know you have your Barzell and your Nelson and your Lee and it's like that's Basically, I mean, there's obviously other guys on the team, but like you do looking at the injuries, like the amount of injuries this team has, like, and, and guys that are out indefinitely, like you're going to have to do something or like if you've lost this many games at this point in the season and before you're chasing Washington and Pittsburgh, but now you've got to contend with the fact that the Panthers and the Red Wings and the Sabres and uh, even the Flyers are all just like creeping up behind you. Like when when is sort of that that line where you say like okay, there is no chance to revive this situation this season if you know obviously the trade deadline if they decide to sell at some point or if they are buying I think I if I'm Lou Amarillo I would be selling at this point because the competition is just so difficult and you're dealing already with so many pieces that are out and what unless you can pull off something like miraculous which who knows maybe he can I don't I don't know I don't think he can I haven't seen enough of the body of work to be like okay yeah sure this is gonna do good I think you should just start figuring out how you're gonna go forward in the future because your fans are just like in the limbo right now like these people I feel so bad for them they're just like oh my gosh like we can't even watch this team we don't have anything to sort of look forward to we don't know if we're selling, if we're buying, like what's going on. So I, you know, we'll see what happens. I mean, got to be able to beat the Senators if you think you're going to have a chance in the playoffs to get to the yeah. playoffs. So if they, I mean, they, who knows how things go there 
in that game. But uh, I think they're in for a real tight tight situation. And uh, my guess would be they end up being sellers at this point. All right. And I guess they're, well, they're one of the teams that are still in the wait and see mode. I mean, we've got six weeks before the trade yeah. deadline. Things can always change. They can go on a run, but also they've only won one game in the last 10. So who's to say, I, I guess the last question for you, Julie, it's not a New York city team question, but you're looking around the East. We're looking at some of the contenders like the Rangers and the devils. It kind of just seems like if they really want to be successful, I know I'm jumping the gun, but it just feels like they're going to have to get through a team like the Boston Bruins, who uh, set a new record for the fastest team to get to 80 points in a season, and they could get to 40 wins before game number 50. They just they just seem like they're bulldozing through this season, don't they? Yes, 100% accurate. Uh, no lies detected on that right there, Haley. I would say that... I was honestly thinking about this, just talking to my boyfriend before. I'm like, maybe they are just going to bulldoze this entire season and bulldoze the playoffs and be like the Golden State Warriors of like a couple years ago, where we're like, oh, right. of course they won. They were amazing all season. Like, no one could possibly keep up with this pace. Like, they're just this magical wagon that is just going to win it all like oh wow how how why didn't I put a futures bet on them like that's wild but then I look at them and I think the thing that would take this team or sidetrack this team is themselves really at this point because of just the fact that they are older as we know with uh, Bergeron and Krejci and Marchand and just like some of the guys on the team but the fact that they have a lot of miles on them more so and they are playing they're playing playoff style hockey now, like they're built for the playoffs. Right. So then it's like, how far can these bodies go in the playoffs when they've already got so many miles on them? So then you hear like Don Sweeney likes to maybe add some pieces of the deadline, maybe a Luke Shen, which is wild. that Luke Shen is, you know, still like playing the, really, the ball. Right, let's just be honest with ourselves here. Luke Shen is, I was like, oh, wow, Luke Shen. I hadn't, like, really thought about him in a while. Um, also, you guys are in Canada, Vancouver, blah, 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 different down here in the States. Um, and so I think that, that you know, maybe they'll, they'll bolster their lineup, and I think that they are, any team's going to have to go through them, but if they can stay healthy, they will be arguably, like, a Stanley Cup champion. But, you know, if anything happens, the end is then that would to them, perhaps, then that would be injuries would be my only thing that would be their negative, really. Right. And they seem like they've handled those pretty well so far. I haven't seen anything that yeah. makes me believe that they're not, you know, hands down the best team in the league. But that's the reason like, we even play with the, the playoff out, games. Blah, like... blah. <laughs> oh, yeah. They look fine. They've only lost five know, games in regulation. Like, oh, oh DeBrusque's out. Yeah, okay. Oh, whoops, yeah. you know. Um, Who cares? Yeah. <laughs> Amazing. Well, great stuff, Julie. Thank you so much for coming on the show. I also got a note in the text line while you were talking about the Canuck, and I totally forgot this, and, and that was just reminded on the text line. Uh, it was in How I Met Your Mother also. It was the Hoser Hut in a couple episodes yes, where yes. Robin goes when she wants to be around Canadians. So Yeah, it has like – on the outside, if anyone if anyone is curious about the establishment, it looks exactly like the Hoser Hut. And that's 
that this is what when I came to New York a couple years ago, it was like we needed a hoser hut because I had friends obviously with a lot of Canadians here. And so now that we go there, it's like it's exactly the hoser hut. And when they do play the national anthem before like games and stuff, like people are, you know, chanting it and stuff. And, and it's very much like uh, how I met your mother. So it's good. Very fun. Love that. Well, thank you. I hope you get to go and watch the game there tonight. Hopefully you can get a table. Yes. I mean, we're like VIPs now, Haley. All right. Yeah. And they have like <laughs> okay, a, a double, double espresso martinis. Uh, that's Ooh. pretty good. That's pretty Canadian. That's so fun. I love that for you. Have fun, Julie. Thanks again. <laughs> thank you. Bye. There goes Julie Stewart Binks. Uh, she's a TV host. You can catch her on Fubo. Uh, NBC, SNY, and more. Uh, always great stuff to catch up with with Julie. And uh, that conversation was brought to you by Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar right here on the Guest Hotline. Using the same secret recipe since 1975, you can dine in at Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar at 6060 Memorial Drive Northeast, or you can get takeout or delivery at 403-248-3344. We're going to head to a quick break, and we're going to come right back and chat with Mike Russo. He is a senior national writer at The Athletic. He also covers the Minnesota Wild, does a great job at that with the state of hockey. He's going to come on, chat the Wild, look at a little bit of the trade deadline that's coming up next on Hockey Central on Sports at 960 The Fan. You're listening to Hockey Central 960 with Haley Salvian on your home of the Flames, Sportsnet 960 The Fan. All right, welcome back to the program. Got lots of good stuff about the Canuck with Julie Stewart-Banks. Now I am kind of want to go to New York and check it out. Might not have the same effect if I'm flying right from Canada and going in there. It's probably a nice homey place for Canadians living in the U.S. to go and feel at home. Could be fun. Maybe I'll check it out one day. But other than that, we're going to go back to the Atlas Pizza Guest Hotline and bring in our second guest of the show. It's uh, Mike Russo from The Athletic. He's a national writer at the company, covers the Minnesota Wild. And uh, Mike, thanks so much for making the time. I feel like, you know, there's a joke in the internal Slack that every story on the the website right now is from Michael Russo. So thank you for making the time. <laughs> yeah. Very, very busy. Uh, yeah, but I mean, you know, the way it works, a lot of that, uh, the intermissions and the, the bossy story have been in the system for a while. It just happened to run the same day. So it just uh, turned out uh, well. But by the way, I've been to the Canuck. It's uh, awesome. Uh, great, great oh, bar really? in, uh, in Manhattan. Actually, it was there about a week and a half ago. Did uh, Kevin Kurz drag you out there? Uh, you know what? I'm the one that initially told Kevin Kurz about it. And then Kevin oh. did the big feature on it. But, uh, yeah, so – um, Brett McLean, who's the assistant coach for the, uh, for the wild, his buddies, I think own the place. And so he, he, uh, brought a bunch of people from the wild out there last season. <laughs> I had heard about it, told Kevin about it. That'd be a really good national feature, just, uh, especially up in, uh, up in Canada. And, uh, he went out and hit a home run with it. So, uh, I've been out there a couple of times with Kevin. I was there during the Eastern final, uh, Kevin and I went out there then, uh, a bunch of us went over there the other night as well when the Wild were there playing the Rangers. Fun, yeah. Julie was uh, Julie was just on, and obviously a Canadian who's now living in New York City, and and she was saying she's going to go down there and watch the the Leafs Rangers games tonight. And she's you know ever since that feature came out, the bar is super busy, and they got to call and make a yeah. reservation now. So we uh, actually have you to blame instead of Kevin Kurz for this. That's okay. <laughs> exactly. 
So, Mike, looking at the Wild, I, I know you had a story and you've tweeted about this, but they've dropped out of the playoff race for kind of the first time when it actually matters this season after a loss to yeah. Tampa, Colorado Avalanche win against Washington last night. Uh, Avs are now third in the Central, Minnesota's third in the Wild Card. With Colorado, you know, getting healthy and starting to click again in the way that Winnipeg and Dallas has looked, like, do you think realistically the Minnesota Wild? are a wild card playoff team versus a top three in the central. Yeah, I do. I, I think that's their only shot. Um, you know, it just, to me, seems like, uh, well, I mean, the biggest shock to me is that Dallas and Winnipeg never lose. Um, I'm, I'm, you know, I figured at some point they would come back to earth. That's yet to happen. And they just keep on winning uh, very big games. And uh, Colorado, now that they're healthy, they're on a roll six in a row. The, they're not gonna. We're not gonna see them in the rearview mirror at all. You know, uh, in, in reverse here anytime soon. So really, the Wild only have a couple teams that they really could, could you know, chase down to try to make the playoffs. And you know, one is being Calgary. Uh, the other is Edmonton. I don't see how Edmonton misses the playoffs. You know, does Seattle come back to earth? Hasn't happened yet. They look legit, and they have a chance to. You know, they have assets and money to to make some moves here. Uh, you know, going into the trade deadline as well. So. There's very limited spots for them to chase down now, and and most likely that's going to be in the wild card area, and, and that's just hoping that you know teams like Nashville and St. Louis don't don't suddenly find their game, and, and so they put themselves in a real precarious position. I've always said this season that it just feels like every team is a three game losing streak from feeling like it's disaster, and the Wild have just hit that three game losing streak. You know, before this little blip in the radar they've they, they had points in seven of eight games and everything looked hunky-dory and they were completely healthy and getting great goaltending and found their identity and all the cliches that you you hear in hockey and and now suddenly they've just completely lost their game the last three games played quite well last night uh but the way it works fine line in hockey uh to win and lose sometimes and they lost a winnable game last night in tampa bay so these two games before the bye week and the all-star break are just gigantic here with philadelphia and buffalo uh, coming in next and, and we'll see if they can get themselves on track. They seem almost like a safer bet to take that second wild spot, wild card spot, excuse me, over Calgary, but that might just be because I've been, you know, watching both these teams a little <laughs> bit more and it seems like there's more question marks with the flames right now. Mm-hmm. Guys haven't really been clicking the right way, but at the end, I'm not, I'm not totally sure. I'm not like sold. If when you look at Seattle, Edmonton, Minnesota, Calgary, two of those teams are going to make the playoffs realistically. And I don't know if I'm confident in saying which two that's going to be right now. Yeah, I agree with you. I, I just don't know. I, I watched Calgary play Columbus the other night. That was a tough game, uh, you know, a really entertaining game. And, uh, you know, figured out a way to pull it out in the end. Um, you know, they have still a lot of really good players. Uh, you know, you got to think that, that Huberto and Kadri are going to figure out a way to really, you know, drive that team as long as they get good goaltending. I thought Zadaroff was awesome the other night against Columbus, and I don't know if he's played like that all year, but, man, he was great the other night. Um, and so, you know, they're they're a formidable opponent. And, and, you know, I think, you know, I was talking to my colleague Joe Smith about this today, um, and, you know, I, I just feel like the Wild, um, they were red hot there from Thanksgiving to Jan- to, like, early January. But if you look at their schedule, it was a cupcake schedule. Uh, I mean, they were playing bad team after bad team after bad team. So they were hot, but but they really weren't playing anybody of, of substance. And, and now they're playing really good teams, and they're losing. And I think that's a huge concern. 
The other concern with the Wild is, I mean, they last year it's so crazy to me, uh, but they were the third best even strength team in the league. This year they're 27th in the NHL in uh, in uh, in even goals. I mean, it's just crazy. And uh, last year they they were always coming back games and having these late game heroics absolutely unheard of this season, um, barely come back in games. Uh, so there's a lot of, lot of warts on this team. And it's happening at, I don't know, you, I mean, you could even look at it as a good time or the bad time. Like, right, you know, five weeks before a trade deadline. I think that if you now spell this out to Bill Guerin, what this team really is, it might save them some assets to go out and buying things in, in, in trade deadline if, if Billy decides that it's absolutely fruitless and that this team's going nowhere. So, um, you know, so I heard somebody on the radio today saying saying that this is the worst time that this could happen. I actually think it's the best time because, you know, five weeks before the trade deadline, that's when GMs are starting to really identify what their team really is. And I think that the Wild are spelling out what they are right now. Mm-hmm. And maybe what they need, maybe what should be at the top of, of the list for teams like Minnesota, Calgary, et cetera. And, and I mean, Mike, you're one of the, the writers at The Athletic who's been you know, going through the big trade board, who are the top candidates? Who's creating the most buzz? I know you guys updated that today. What's new on the Athletics big trade board today? Uh, you know, I think the one that we're really chasing right now is Timo Meyer. I mean, it just really seems like there's a lot of noise around him. Um, you know, there's going to have to come a point where Mike Greer, um, the GM of the San Jose Sharks, allows teams, if they can't get a contract extension done with Timo, to talk to him because the thing with him is that he's either going to have to be a rental for teams that can't afford him this off season and just basically qualify him or team. Most teams are not going to give him his $10 million qualifying offer. So at some point, if you really want to up the value of Timo Meyer and a team say like the Carolina hurricanes would be interested, you know, at some point you might have to give down permission to talk to Timo's camp to just see what it could cost on a long-term extension because obviously no team's given him a $10 million a year. So they're going to have to, you know, figure that out soon. You know, the one, the other one here to talk locally and somebody that's local for you as well is Matt Dumba. I mean, Dumba is from Calgary, uh, plays for the, for the wild. He was just scratched for two straight games. Everybody around the league thought it was because he was getting traded, but it was very clear to us right from the beginning that it was performance based. Um, you know, in my eyes, he didn't have a good game in Washington, but I think he's played pretty well here the last five or six weeks. Then they scratch him two in a row because of a bad game in Washington. And to me, you know, it just was nonsensical. And, and uh, you know, the team had points in seven of eight. And now you take him out of the lineup. Team has lost two, now three in a row since, but two with him out of the lineup where they gave up ten goals. And, you know, one, I think it created the perception out there of teams that would be interested in him that he's not playing well or worse than he actually is. And the other one is it might now give the Wild a, a really, a, you know, a, a chance to – you know, look at this again and say, hey, it's not worth trading that, um, you know, let him walk as a free agent. Because if that was what this team is going to look like with that Matt Dumba in the lineup, I think it was an eye-opener for the coaching staff. And they don't right now have a suitable replacement for Matt. So if you're going to just throw Matt away, you better have a coinciding deal for a defenseman. And and so that's that's kind of on the trade board as well, is just what's, what's going to happen with a guy like Matt Dumba. I thought that uh, James Van Riemsdyk was recently asked to list. I don't believe mm-hmm. he was on the initial iterations. Maybe he was, then he dropped off. Now he's back on, you know, the, the Florida, not Florida, geez, the Philadelphia Flyers. They're not really going anywhere, which maybe means he's going somewhere before March 3rd. Yeah, that's what I'm, I'm thinking. And I think that's what we're hearing is that, you know, uh, Chuck Fletcher is starting to, you know, really now 
uh, you know, come up with a strategy for the trade deadline. You know the way it works in January. All these teams uh, have their pro scouting meetings, and that's when they come up with their plan of what they're going to do the next five weeks, who they're going to scout, and things like that. And I think Philadelphia, even though they've been playing much, much better, I think they realize that it's it's time to probably get some assets for a lot of their pending guys. And I think James Van Riemsdyk is one of those guys that, that people are going to be looking at. You know, big left shot, uh, goes to the net, uh, can score goals, um, you know, responsible defensively. Um, add size, uh, and and so I do think that he's going to draw a lot of attention. I mean, I've never seen a trade deadline like this, or at least in several years, where it just feels like there's, you know, years past, it's like we overplay players, and it turns, it, you know, in my eyes, a lot of them are scraps. And this year, there are really a lot of big names, not just up front, but on the blue line, even in goal, um, where there's just a lot of intriguing names out there. And I think that what there's two things that that's going to do because of the lack of cap space in the league. One, I think it's going to bring down prices as we get down to get to close to March 3rd. But the, you know, the, the other thing is like, I, I just think that it, there's going to be a lot of teams that want to trade guys that aren't going to find suitors. And, and a perfect example is Matt Dumba here in Minnesota. I mean, there's a lot of good defensemen available out there that I think teams are going to be looking at. And there's, there's not a lot of teams that would take on the $6 million player. And I think it's going to be the same thing up front that we're seeing this year. I mean, I've never seen so many, you know, so-called stars available. And then you have really mm-hmm. good, you know, second-tier guys that are, that are still out there that, you know, I don't think anybody, everybody at all is going to be able to be traded, that's for sure. Yeah, I think going up and down the board, there's interesting names in terms of like Brian O'Reilly and um, you get Tarasenko yep. in there. Obviously, Bo Horvat's a huge name on the market. Even, you know, you just look up and down. And you look at someone like Klingberg, too. I mean, yeah, Kane and Taves, like John Klingberg. You know, they're reportedly looking for Anaheim's looking for a first for a guy who's making $7 million having a bad year. I know Anaheim has a ton of cap space that they could probably eat half of that contract, but that it's just... A lot of guys making a lot of money that are going to be tough to move in this salary cap strapped uh, year right now. Part of me wonders if we're going to see some of these teams who don't normally act as brokers do so. Um, the Buffalo Sabres have like $41 million in cap space. They don't typically, you know, go out and act as the third team for in, in these situations. But I do wonder if we're going to see teams like Buffalo, Anaheim, Arizona, you know, try to weaponize that cap space more than we typically would. I mean, we've seen Arizona do that before for sure, but more so in in Buffalo. Yeah, I think that we'll see Arizona do it again, but I think you're exactly right. I think a lot of these building teams, you know, especially at Buffalo, um, who I think is a really good team, um, you know, figures out a way to make the playoffs. Maybe that'll, you know, they can weaponize the cap space, but actually get some assets back. I mean, that. There's a, there's a, you know multiple ways that you do it, but it makes a lot of sense for Buffalo, who has no illusions to the fact that they still have a, a little bit to go to get to be a complete you know uh, exactly what they want to be in terms of a finished product, and so it would make sense for them to you know continue to pile up assets and try to you know be that conduit that can help uh, you know real cap strap teams uh, you know make a move. I mean you know one team that you know is going to try to do something is Tampa Bay, and they've got no cap space. But they got an incredibly smart GM, an incredibly smart front office that always figures out a way to take that limited cap space and just shock us all with with outside the box uh, decisions and thoughts uh, to get to get them players. And it would not shock me if they're one of those teams right now that is trying to get into the three way game. 
Absolutely. They were one of the teams that didn't quite make the top 10 list. Like, here's the top 10 teams to keep an eye out for the deadline story I did on The Athletic recently. And I have them in there just because it's Breeze Bois and they do this all of the time. But I was like, oh, I feel like I need to take them out and put, you know, a, a team that has a bunch of options to sell off in there. But yeah, Tampa's somewhere you know, just because of what Breeze Bois and that team always does. They're, they're a team to watch for sure. Uh, I guess I got two more minutes here with you, Mike, before I let you go. Brock Besser, is he a fit in Minnesota? I know that he's someone that you've written about on The Athletic and he's on the big board. I know Flames fans have been interested in Brock Besser at different times this season since he's kind of been circling these uh, trade market conversations. What uh, what do you know about Brock Besser and, and maybe his future? Yeah, after the deadline? I, I think they're still having, yeah, I think because of the cap space, uh, they would have to retain money. And I think that they're still having trouble trying to move him. It has been, you know, he's underperformed this year, has had some injuries. And so I think it's, it's going to be difficult to move him. Um, Minnesota, you know, um, at least while Bill Guerin's been here, Paul Fenton had a chance to trade for him. Um, Bill has not shown any interest that as, as far as I'm aware. And the impression that I get, um, you know, despite all the rumors out there that they would be interested is that the Wild are not interested. Now, if they retain salary, if they uh, took a significant player back off the Wild's team that the Wild would want to be getting rid of, maybe a bad contract, something like that, maybe that would change their mind. Um, but as of now, even though I do think Besser would probably fit into a lineup that can't score even strength, um, you know, it, right now it doesn't look like the wild have interest. All right. Well, great stuff, Mike. Thank you so much for joining the show. And uh, I'm sure we have way more stuff coming from you on The Athletic coming up. So if we missed anything, uh, listeners can definitely check it out there. Yep. Take care, Haley. See ya. All right. There goes Mike Russo. Does a great job covering the Minnesota Wild. Uh, also a national writer at the athletic as well and and that chat was brought to you by the atlas pizza guest hotline presented by atlas pizza and sports bar using the same secret recipe since 1975 you can dine in at 6060 memorial drive northeast or check out the takeout or delivery at 403-248-3344 that's all the time we have for today on hockey central we'll be back tomorrow on thursday on a flames game day here on your home of the flames sports at 960 the fan